Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week of the Search for Serotonin podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Farrick, and today I am here with Patrick, who is a licensed mental health and addictions therapist. So I'm really excited to talk about today's topic with him because we are talking about imposter syndrome, and that is something I've personally struggled with for most of my life. And I'm sure a lot of my audience can relate because a lot of my audience is in their twenties and it's that time period where they're getting out of college and going into the workforce and dealing with a lot of adjustments. So, um, I think it's going to be a really good topic for everyone to hear. So Patrick, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate making the time. Of course. So do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your background and all of that fun stuff? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Patrick Casal. I am a licensed clinical mental health and addiction specialist in Asheville, North Carolina. I own a group psychotherapy practice, Resilient Mind Counseling out there. And I also own a private practice building coaching and consulting business to help therapists start their private practices. And I am the host of the All Things Private Practice podcast. Um, imposter syndrome is a topic that I speak about often, not only on the podcast, but I've been speaking at conferences over the last two years and webinars and other people's podcasts and definitely struggle with imposter syndrome, talking about imposter syndrome and also in basically every area of my life professionally. That's interesting to hear that you also struggle with it, even though you are well-versed in it and you talk about it all the time, you still experience these things. And that's something I really try and portray to my audience is that, you know, mental health and mental illnesses, it's not one type of person who's going to fit that criteria. It can literally affect anybody and everybody, even the person who is well-versed in this topic and knows a lot about it. So I'm excited to get your take on everything. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to talk about whatever feels uh, really important for your audience. You know, I think it impacts so many of us and a lot of us don't have a term for it. You know, it comes up as emotional insecurity, especially around professional growth and development. Um, you know, and it shows up in a lot of different ways. Perfectionism is a big one. You know, I, I can't release whatever I'm working on to the world and because it's not perfect yet. And um, that's a big one because it's paralyzing and it's painful. And I think it prevents us from really doing a lot of the things that we want to be achieving and accomplishing and working towards. And that's a big piece of this. Um, feeling fraudulent and incompetent is another one. And just feeling like I don't belong here. I'm not as qualified to be here. Um, that's, that's a big component. And, you know, there are a lot of other ways it shows up, but I think those are the two biggest ones. I think that psychologically the insecurity especially around being an entrepreneur, growing professionally, um, you know, just different situations where you may be surrounded by people who you think are more qualified or competent in general. It's going to make you feel that anxious, insecure comparison mindset trap of like, I don't belong here. What the hell am I doing here? And like, why would anyone listen to me? Yeah, I definitely have experienced that a lot in the past year um, because I graduated college in 2019. And then after a couple months, I got a job, you know, nine to five job. And in that job, I constantly felt like an imposter. I never felt like I was in the right place. Everybody was older than me. I felt like I was waiting for somebody to just come into my office and be like, you're not supposed to be here. You don't know what you're doing. And so that's why I kind of shifted away from a nine to five into podcasting. And then now that I'm into podcasting, I have that same imposter syndrome. Like I don't have, you know, there's as many followers or as many listeners as other people. So I still don't have that, you know, 
recognition of I am a podcaster. I have a podcast. So it's definitely still in me and still something that I constantly have to deal with. So do you want to start by talking about um, imposter syndrome? Like, is it a mental illness or is it something that is resulted because of a current already existing mental illness? Yeah. So it's actually not a mental illness at all. I think that's a misconception. A lot of the time it's more symptomatic and, you know, it shows up for people for different reasons. So a lot of the research on imposter syndrome is pretty limited, but it was done on women in the workplace in the seventies, mainly um, women of color. And what they kept finding was like, Hey, we don't feel like we belong here because traditionally, you know, uh, workplaces were all white men. And it made a lot of sense why a lot of uh, female employees just felt like, why, you know, I don't feel like I'm as good. I don't feel like I belong. I feel like I was just kind of let in, in a lot of ways. So um, I think we have to really take that into account when we're thinking about how this shows up for people. Um, but mainly it, it really does come up a lot when we are feeling seen and vulnerable. And I think that for a lot of people, that's scary. Um, social media does not help with this, you know, like followings, likes, shares, comparison mindset. It's like, I'm not doing enough as, you know, A, B, and C, and maybe they are more qualified than me. For example, you know, I have a pretty big reach right now as a private practice coaching consultant in the therapy world. And I prevented myself from starting my business for years because there's someone else in my city who's very widely known and well-respected throughout the world. And I said, why would anyone hire me if they could hire her? Um, she's more qualified. She has more followers. She has more, you know, reputation. And I think in reality, we really have to understand that everyone's voice is unique. So for your podcast, you know, for example, yeah, maybe you don't have as many followers as A, B, and C, but in reality, you're still showing up and working through it. And I think that's a big component of how to combat this because I think that for me, I started talking about imposter syndrome when COVID first hit. I was in my house, like everybody else was bored and had all the free time in the world. And I was just doing Facebook lives about like, Hey, this is how it shows up. This is how I feel, you know, and people didn't watch it. (laughs) I would get like one views, probably like my grandma, like, Oh, this is great. And, um, I just kept talking about it. And then, and I got so many responses eventually of like, Oh my God, I feel the same way. I didn't have a name for it. I didn't realize that this was what was happening to me. And then I started, you know, creating webinars for therapists. And then I started being asked to go on podcasts and talking about this. Then I started being asked to speak at conferences about this and quote unquote, became the imposter syndrome expert in the field. But it was all by just naming the experience. I mean, like, this is what I go through every day of my life. And that also kind of takes back some of the control that it has over us to just name it and experience it and just put it out to the world. Because I think that for mental health in general, that's really normalizing to say like, I'm not the only one who goes through this. And that goes with any mental health condition, anxiety, depression, you know, bipolar disorder, trauma history, it doesn't matter. But in reality, we all struggle. And I think if we can talk about it more, it really reduces that vulnerability in terms of like, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. And that's the entire reason that I started this podcast. I wanted to take control back of my own mental health and I wanted to share my experiences and let people know, Hey, 
from the outside, it might not look like this, but this is what I'm going through every single day and I'm still experiencing it in real time. So I really think it's great that you have that same passion for just vocalizing your own experiences, starting these conversations and just help keeping people informed. So is there um, a certain situation or certain condition that would cause imposter syndrome? Do we know what brings it on or is it just more of like a feeling like you said? It's really more of a feeling. And if we look at societal messaging, right, it's like, it's still there. Um, Society will still say to a lot of women, you're the nurse, not the doctor, right? Like there are certain roles that you're supposed to play based on gender and, and a lot of other factors. And I think emotionally that really creates that insecurity as you go through your professional development of saying, am I really as good? And I'm constantly questioning my competency or my qualifications, you know, and I I think that emotional insecurity and entrepreneurial insecurity is real. Um, You're coming, if you're coming out of college, you're probably really aware that you don't have as much experience as someone else who's been in the industry for 20 plus years. And I think we should be anxious and insecure and somewhat fearful about taking on new ventures. Um, But ultimately it's all about perspective, right? Like you probably offer a different perspective than someone else who may be doing a similar podcast. You have your own voice. And I think we lose sight of that a lot when we're feeling like I'm not as good as, and I do believe a lot of imposter syndrome comes from attachment trauma. So childhood development, childhood trauma, the messaging that we get as we're growing up potentially from our parents or our role models or people we're around where you may get the message that you're not as good or that your worth is only tied to your achievement. And then if we're not achieving, if we're failing, then we really beat ourselves up and go into somewhat of a shame spiral too. Um, and I think that failure is so normal and we have to give ourselves permission to fail and make mistakes. And especially when we're doing something new, that's a big way to combat imposter syndrome because you know, when you started riding your bike, for example, you probably fell down a bunch of times and you got back up. It's kind of similar in a lot of ways of, yeah, of course, when you start something new, you start a podcast, you start, you build a website, you put yourself out there, you're probably going to make mistakes. And if you didn't, that would feel like that wasn't, that wouldn't be uh, the norm for a lot of people. So giving ourselves permission to work through uh, paralyzing perfectionism is really important. Yeah. And like you said, social media does not help at all because a lot of times on social media, it's just a highlight reel of somebody's life. You get all of the good, none of the bad. And so it's really hard and kind of like crippling for people who are just starting out to see, well, this person is doing all of this and you just think, oh, they just got there immediately. They didn't have to go through this trial and error process. So it's just frustrating as someone who is going through it right now, because you just want people to be more transparent and more honest. And even though they might be on their social saying, Oh, I'm very transparent and I'll give you all the answers. And then they still don't really give you any of that. It's like you were in my position once, like you could be a little more helpful. So yeah, definitely something that I've noticed as well. Um, so self-doubt is a term that I use a lot on the podcast. Would you say self-doubt is synonymous with imposter syndrome or how do those two mix together? Yeah, they definitely connect. And self-doubt is a big piece of imposter syndrome, doubting your abilities, right? Doubting your competency, doubting whether or not someone's going to hire you or find you to feel like someone they want to work with. I mean, self-doubt is tied to insecurity. And I think we need to have some level of self, self-doubt. I don't want to go into every 
you know, situation feeling confident and without concern. Um, but ultimately we also don't want it to be a roadblock, uh, to provide, you know, preventing us from pursuing our goals because a lot of people get stuck in that mindset of like, I just can't do this. Right. Like I, I work with a lot of therapists who want to leave their, uh, nine to five jobs and start their businesses. But the underlying thought is like, why would anyone hire me? I don't have as much experience as someone else who's in the field for much longer than me. I don't know how to start a business. You know, I, I don't think I would be successful at this. And they talk themselves out of this uh, dream and this goal, and then they're miserable. And self-doubt is normal. I want to normalize, you know, fear, failure, self-doubt, all of the things that come up. But again, just not letting it paralyze us. That's really the balancing act. And there's a lot of ways to work through that. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how people who are experiencing imposter syndrome, what they can do to treat it or help with those side effects of that? Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of good ways, you know, and exhibiting self-compassion is a big one, you know, just, just allowing yourself to know that other people experience the same things. It's okay to feel these ways and just being kind to yourself. We don't do enough of that. We can do it for other people. We often struggle to do it for ourselves. Um, giving ourselves permission to fail. Like I said, writing yourself a letter before you start a new project or a new job, or just reminding yourself, like, this is new. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to be able to know this the first day, maybe the first month and hell, maybe even the first year. Um, mentorship is important, you know, surrounding yourself with colleagues who build you up, support you. They understand the struggle, not people who are going to tear you down and tell you there's something wrong. Therapy. You know, everyone should have a therapist, in my opinion. So processing this with therapists, um, one big way to do this is making it playful. So like giving your imposter syndrome, a funny voice, a funny name, you know, recognizing when it's coming up. Uh, for example, I don't know if you watch Harry Potter. Uh, my wife's a big Harry Potter fan. I am not. But a good example is like the Bogarts and Harry Potter, which are fears. And a lot of the characters work through those fears by making them playful. And I think we, we need to do that with imposter syndrome so that we take back some of the power. Um, another example of what can be useful, make a resource bank. You know, all the examples of times where you've experienced struggle, you question your abilities, you had self-doubt, and then you work through them. Um, a lot of college students, right, start their college career questioning if they're even going to graduate. And they experience a lot of hard stuff along the way. And then they do. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can do this. You start a new job, you question your ability. And then a month or two later, you're like, oh, I, I've got this down. Like, this is easy. So it's really important to kind of reflect back on that and take a look at all of those experiences where you doubted yourself at first. And that is really normal. Yeah. And I love that idea of making that internal voice something else, like making it playful, like you said, giving it a funny voice, a funny name. I think that would be helpful for a lot of people because that's something simple and easy you can do. Um, something that I have started to do a lot is kind of picture when I'm feeling self-doubt or I'm feeling imposter syndrome, I just kind of stop for a second and say, okay, well, what would my boyfriend say to me if I was telling him this, or what would my mom say to me, or what would my like best friend say to me? And then kind of treating my inner self as what they would say to me and using that approach. So then it's like, I can shift out of that mindset a little bit quicker. Yeah, for sure. And I think also putting it out to the world is really helpful too. 
you know, because you may internalize these feelings and these thoughts, like I'm the only one who deals with this. And then again, like, that's how I started all of this is just putting it out to the world. And sometimes that's really freaking scary. I don't know if I can curse on this podcast, but. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, I swear all the okay. time. You can say whatever okay. you want. No limits. <laughs> it's really fucking scary. You know, vulnerability is hard and being seen is scary, but I also think it allows us to not, I don't want to say that imposter syndrome is ever going to go away, but the intensity of it will really, really uh, quiet down a little bit if you are able to name it and just be like, hey, I deal with this. This is something I experience and that's okay. And other people will say, yeah, me too. Every day of my life, you know, you and I are obviously in different places doing different things and we both experience it. Right. And like, I've been in this career for 15 years and I don't know if that will ever go away, but it's not as loud as it used to be. And that's good to know that you have been dealing with this for an extended period of time and you now have that ability to handle it. I think it's good that you're bringing awareness to imposter syndrome because I feel like there's already so much information out about anxiety and depression. And like, I struggle with OCPD. And even though there's limited information about that, there's still enough to kind of diagnose it and be aware of it. And so, like you said, a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome, but they have no idea that that is the term associated with it. So that's really good that you're making people aware of it and they can associate a name with their symptoms. Because, you know, before I got diagnosed with OCPD, I was experiencing all of these things. I just thought, what is wrong with me? Why does this keep happening? Why can't I just like be one way? And then you find out, oh, this is an actual like diagnosis and something that you can experience. And that really helps you kind of feel better about it and not put as much blame on yourself. So I think it's really great that you're making people so aware of this. Yeah, I think awareness is uh, how we combat shame and stigma. Um, you know, and, and again, like we all struggle, right? We're all human beings. We're in a fucking global pandemic. People's mental health situations are, you know, there's a lot of struggle right now. And, um, I just think that it's really normalizing to talk about it. And some people may not like that, you know, and that's okay. And trying really hard to get out of that comparison trap of like doom scrolling through social media and saying like, oh man, this person who has a podcast has so many downloads or like coaching clients are like likes or shares or how come I can't present this way? And you, you're right. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes and what people have worked through to get there. And um, I think that's really important to keep in mind with a lot of this. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one other piece of my podcast is obviously I speak to people who currently experience mental illness, um, but I know I have some listeners who don't struggle with mental illnesses and they use this podcast as a way to educate themselves on how to help those people in their life who do struggle with these things. So I did have somebody who wanted to know if they don't struggle with imposter syndrome, but they know someone who does, what's some things they can do to help that person out when they're experiencing those inner thoughts? I think it's about reminding that person that they have been through, you know, maybe some obstacles, some trials, some tribulations, but they're still here working through them. I think that's a good reframe to recognize like, yeah, this is coming up for me, but it doesn't have to be permanent. Um, and again, I just think that it's just reminding people of these ways to kind of navigate this. Like if you look at famous celebrities or personalities that experience imposter syndrome, you can, you can just Google that and you'll see all the examples from like Oprah 
to, you know, Tom Hanks, to really famous people who are very successful, who experience it every day. And that also normalizes this. Like there's a really great quote uh, by Maya Angelou that says something to the extent of I've written 11 books and I still feel like they're going to find me out to be fraudulent. And I just imagine like being that successful and, and well-known and still feeling like they're going to find me out eventually for not knowing what I'm talking about. And I think those examples are really powerful because it's like, oh, if they're struggling, right? These people who have had world-renowned success and make tons of money and are just so well-respected, then it's okay for me to struggle too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that really puts it into perspective because a lot of times when you're dealing with it individually and you're dealing with it maybe alone, a lot of the times you just think, well, this is happening to me and nobody else feels this way and it's something wrong with yourself. But when, you know, like you said, Oprah, Tom Hanks, all of those kinds of people are so crazy successful, but they still experience the same things we do, feel the same feelings. It's all similar. (laughs) Yeah, it's all part of the human experience. And I think naming these things, regardless of the, if it's imposter syndrome, anxiety, depression, OCPD, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just naming it, um, not letting it control and dictate your life. Um, because you can really accomplish a lot of cool stuff if you're able to work through a lot of these things. You know, I had a gambling addiction for 10 years of my life. There was no part of me that ever foresaw being successful but you work through it and then you can talk about it and you can name it and you can normalize it. And then I think that it no longer has control over you and how you kind of move through your life and, you know, take that journey. I really appreciate you sharing all of that. Is there any difference in imposter syndrome between like men and women, or is it just same all around? Yeah. Like I said before, I think a lot of it shows up for women for different reasons. So I think it's about realizing that it's not just a symptom for women. It's more so like we live in a society for years and generations that put women down and didn't allow women into the workplace. So I think women have to fight a lot harder to get to the places they want to go. And even just knowing that women get paid less for the majority of of careers and professions. So all of those messages are kind of reinforcing you're not as good and you don't belong here. And that's something we have to continue to, to work through and navigate. But at the same time, I think it shows up for men mainly out of insecurity, you know, just comparison traps. Like I'm around all of these people who are successful. How come I'm not as successful? That brings up a lot of shame. Um, different ways to work through it for sure. And, you know, I think that a lot of men would also agree silently that they struggle, but don't want to talk about struggling because it can be perceived as weakness. And that's something that has to be explored and discussed more often too. Yeah, of course. I am all about vocalizing men's mental health and encouraging men to speak up just the same as women. Um, But I really love that you work shame into it when you're talking about it, because I really feel like that is such a like STEM place for the imposter syndrome, just because, you know, we're shamed into feeling this way because of the current society and the past society that put these standards into place. And so we all just feel this shame, but we really don't need to, because even though society says one thing, like where we're at as a world and as a country right now, everything is shifting and everything is changing so much. So I feel like it's easier for people to put that shame aside and focus on just what they need to do for themselves, which is really great. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're we're seeing a cultural shift in terms of, you know, getting help for mental health and and going to therapy and normalizing the fact that we all struggle. Please don't get your therapy advice from TikTok from people who are not therapists. That is such a pet peeve of mine. But ultimately, there are so many good resources out there to support people through struggle. Yeah, I always tell my audience, don't self-diagnose. I have found information off of TikTok and then I will like compile a little note section. And then when I do my therapy sessions every week, I'll take it to my therapist and be like, hey, just some things that I saw. You tell me, yes, no, what are we going to do? And we kind of work from it from there. But I always encourage my audience, do not self-diagnose, make sure you're finding credible resources and things like that. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's kind of like the thought of like, i Google search, oh, my stomach hurts or like my leg feels this way. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have cancer and like, I'm going to die. And it's like, no, like I bruised my leg playing soccer and it hasn't healed yet. It's, it's just the same mentality. So lots of good information out there on social media. Just, you know, make sure that it's credible too. That's important, especially when it comes to our mental health. Yeah, of course. Do you maybe just want to tell people where they can find you if they want to look at more of your stuff, like your podcast or things like that? Yeah, sure. I appreciate it. Um, you know, if anyone wants to listen to the podcast, it's a lot of interviewing other professionals in the mental health industry, especially really successful entrepreneurs. We are talking a lot about the struggle of how they got there and normalizing that. My goal is to normalize fear and failure and paralyzing perfectionism because those are all things that I've struggled with. So um, podcast is relatively new. We've got episodes every Monday. It's called All Things Private Practice. It is on all the major platforms and uh, it's been a pretty good venture so far. I've never listened to a podcast episode that I've been a guest on or my own podcast. So that imposter syndrome prevented me from starting that podcast for two and a half years. And then I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And I think if we had more of that mentality, you know, using fear as a gas pedal instead of a break, then we could really just embrace the fact that it is scary to try new things. But ultimately, it is so rewarding. If you're a therapist out there and you want to join my Facebook group, All Things Private Practice, all about private practice startup growth, again, emotional insecurity, imposter syndrome, all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's basically it. Perfect. I do want to say I listened to your most recent podcast episode this morning and I really enjoyed it. I loved it. It sounded great. I was like, oh, this is so professional. So <laughs> you're doing good. <laughs> Thank you. I have a wonderful VA who edits everything and I, I don't think I could do it without her. Um, this whole entire new season is going to be about imposter syndrome and talking to really successful people who experience it every day. And that is a thought that comes up for therapists all the time. When I'm in a therapy session, I'm like listening and I'm like, man, this person should really see a therapist. And I'm like, oh, I'm a therapist. And it's <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that's, that's just really normal. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Patrick. I really appreciate all of the advice that you gave, and I'm sure my audience is going to, this is going to benefit a lot from all of the information you provided today. So thank you again for taking the time to be here and talk with me. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. That is it for this week's episode. If you guys want to check out more of Patrick's work, his podcast, his Facebook group, all of that will be linked in the show notes. If you would like to watch the full recorded interview with Patrick and I, it will be available on my Patreon, which will also be linked in the show notes. As always, if you like this episode, please go ahead and rate and review the episode and the podcast on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
See you next week. This week's song is The Man by Taylor Swift. I chose this song for this week's episode because in this episode, Patrick and I were discussing how imposter syndrome is more common in women and especially women in the workplace because they just don't feel like they belong. You know, men have dominated the workplace for a very long time. And so women always feel like they have to prove themselves or, you know, they feel like they're not as qualified. So in the song, The Man by Taylor Swift, one line in particular stands out to me and it is, I'm so sick of running as fast as I can, wondering if I'd get there quicker if I was a man. And this whole song to me just kind of showcases how women, you know, definitely have to work harder and they're perceived in a certain way. So Taylor Swift just kind of covers, you know, if women were able to act like men, it would be completely different. But I just feel like this song resonated with this week's episode. So if you want to listen to The Man by Taylor Swift, you can find it on the Search for Serotonin playlist, which will be linked in the show notes. See you next week.